Thanks for checking out the Power Place audio podcast. The Power Place exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence daily, to empower you with His Spirit and His Word so that you can engage your world. Here at the Power Place, we believe the Bible from cover to cover. And our prayer is that as you listen, the absolute truth of God's Word would bring complete freedom to every area of your life. Let's give it up for PG as he continues our series, Core Values. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? What an awesome God we serve. Amen. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord. Those of you joining us online, we welcome you as well. Glad you're part of the family. Amen. Amen. So we were able to go back to Oasis Church, Arendelle Christian School this week as they blessed us with more things. Uh, we, they gave us four uh, lunch tables that fold up. They're about $2,000 each. Another $8,000 worth of free stuff. As the Lord continues to bless us, generosity just... Uh, keeps happening, and uh, we're so thrilled, and we bless them in Jesus' name. Love what God's doing in our kids. What a powerful time they had this weekend. Seven kids saved, seven filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. Amen. So proud of Pastor Jeremy and Priscilla and the team that they put together. What a gift to this house. Amen. I've got a tip for you. The more you weigh, the harder you are to kidnap. So stay safe. Eat cake. pretty safe right now from the kidnappers. My wife asked me if I could clear the kitchen table. I I had to get a running start, but I made it. (laughs) I don't know. Bringing my dog named Shark to the beach yesterday was probably not the best idea. I... Shark! (laughs) So a woman went to a walk-in clinic where she was seen by a young new doctor. After about three minutes in the exam room, the doctor told her she was pregnant. She burst out screaming as she ran down the hall. An older doctor stopped her, asked what, what the problem was. She told him what had happened. After listening, he had her sit down and relax in another exam room. The doctor marched down the hallway back to where the first doctor was and demanded, what's the matter with you? Mrs. Terry is 59 years old, has four grown children and seven grandchildren, and you told her she was pregnant. The young doctor continued to write on his clipboard without looking up. He said, does she still have the hiccups? <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> 
eh, there's one, more than one way to skin a cat. I don't know if you know this or not, but the power place exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence daily, to be empowered by his spirit and his word so that you can engage with your world. It's been our, our, our belief and our reason for being from the beginning. And so we began to put together some, some values. And if, if you would like, you can pick these up at the uh, connection bar. PowerPlace culture has our vision, our core values on it. We've been going through the, the core values uh, recently, and the first one we talked about was honor. Honor up, honor down, honor all around. Uh, we believe that, that you possess the, the image of Christ, so we place the value of heaven on you because you bear his image. Secondly, we talked about truth. Absolute truth equals complete freedom. Amen. We believe the Bible from cover to cover. And the greatest counsel you will ever receive is from the Word of God and being in His presence daily. Thirdly, we talked about stewardship. What we like to say around here is, don't be a stupid steward. You want to be a, a smart steward because we manage heaven's resources for the Father's business. And the heart's cry of a good steward is, it will never be mine. It will always be yours. So we give him our time, our talent, our treasure, and our tongue. And we understand that everything we have has been given to us by God. Amen. Amen. And then last week, Pastor Isaiah shared with us the fourth core value, which was excellence. Excellence is a reflection of heaven. And so we strive for excellence on a daily. He gave us his best, so we give him ours. Amen. Constantly striving for excellence. Someone has said, good enough is the enemy of excellence. Sometimes when we get in life and we, we think, ah, that's good enough. Good enough. I'm living good enough. I'm doing good enough. You're, you're cutting yourself short from what God has for you. He wants excellence in your life. Today, let me talk about unity. A house divided against itself cannot stand. So we choose to lean in to intentional conversations because hard conversations lead to health. Unity is a big deal to God. It's, it's one of those core things that, that you've got to understand, you've got to get involved with because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three in one. They're unified in everything. They're unified in every way. They think alike. They do alike. They, they are on one mission together. And we, as the body of Christ, are called to be a reflection of heaven's unity. Because we're on display to the world. Jesus prayed that, that we would be one, as he and the Father are one, and, and that everyone would see, through unity, that 
There's, there's power in unity. Uh, Psalm 133. She cleared her throat, and that usually means, look at me, because I've got something to tell you. But today was just a clearing of the throat. Now, none of you heard that. You probably didn't even notice that, but that's, we're, we're in unity. And when I get out of unity, she clears her throat. <laughs> Psalm 133, the psalmist declares how good, somebody say good, good. and pleasant. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Now, when you're around disunity, you understand it's not good and it's not pleasant. You ever been in one of those situations? Some of you live in that situation a lot. And it's not good. It's not pleasant. It, it's actually, it rubs you wrong because unity is a core value of heaven. And when you're in unity, there's a blessing there. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Here, then the psalmist says, here's what it's like. It's like precious oil. The anointing oil poured out on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe, it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. The anointing always flows down from the head. When, when Aaron was anointed with oil, anointed as the, the priest, it, it was a flowing down. It started at the top, flowed down. And God says that's how... That's how this blessing comes. It comes from the top down. You, you get in unity and that flow comes down and touch everything it touches is blessed. Some of you never understood the blessing of God until you came to this house and you came underneath the authority and, and the unity that's in this house. And you, you began to notice there's a blessing here. There's a blessing that flows down. There's a blessing for your family. There's a blessing for your business. There's a blessing for your life. And when you unify and come under that blessing, and that anointing flows down, and I would, I would caution all of us, be careful what you come under. Some of us are coming under things that aren't blessed. And what's flowing down is not a blessing. Just, just hear me. And please understand, for your own good, you need to be under that which is anointed. Look at your neighbor and say, Amen. Amen, sister. That's right. The ESV version says in verse 3, For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. When we live in unity, God says, blessing, go there. I, I, see, I see it, go bless them. I see it, 
blessing rest on them. The Lord commands his blessing, life forevermore. Because unity brings God's command of blessing. Blessing is resting. Blessing is going where there's unity. Disunity brings a crumbling foundation. One where there is no command of blessing. When you're in a place of disunity, you'll, you'll find that that foundation cannot stand. It can't hold up under the weight of disunity. A house divided, a house full of division, division, two visions, are you with me? Two directions, that house can't stand. That's one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Because you're going different directions. You're head, you've got two different head spaces here. You need to be unified, heading in the same direction. Because that's where the blessing is commanded. And if there is no unity, that house is divided. And that house cannot stand. Mark chapter 3. Where, where do you get that, Pastor? Mark chapter 3, verse 20. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. For they said, he's out of his mind. I don't know if any of you have experienced any family members like this. But you're in good company. Jesus' family thought that he was out of his mind. <laughs> I've got a few family members that are... Never mind. Um, and the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He's possessed by Beelzebul. By the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom can't stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided... He cannot stand. His end has come. His end has come. Division brings an end to your house, to your kingdom. I'm going somewhere today. Verse 27, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. A divided house allows the enemy to tie you up. Division ties you up. And opens you up to having your house plundered. All your stuff taken. 
All because of one thing. Division. Disunity and division are a big deal to God. Look at your name and say, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal to God and it needs to be a big deal to you. It needs to be a big deal in your house. It needs to be a big deal in your, in your business. When things are in disunity and disarray and, and division is happening, you can't fire on all cylinders. Can't do it. You, you will ask yourself, what's going on? We don't understand. How come we can't get, how come we can't get any traction here? How come we can't keep moving? How, what's going on? It's because there's two visions. There's division. There's disunity. Unity is one unified vision, one unified purpose. A house divided against itself cannot stand. It will fall. You don't have to look very far, but you'll, you'll find many scriptural warnings about division. Let me share a few with you this morning. Romans chapter 16, verse 6 to 17. The Apostle Paul writing to the Romans says, Now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out! Watch out for what? Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them. Watch out. Watch out for people who cause division. What are you supposed to do with them? Stay away. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. It's not muddy. You don't have to ask, is that part of my sinful nature? You'll know. It's very clear. Sexual immorality. That means any kind of sex outside of marriage. That's what that means. Any. Outside of marriage. So, man, that's restrictive. It's for your benefit. Light a fire in your living room. Outside of the fireplace. What happens? Huh. Should have probably been in the fireplace. Because that's where the restriction is. That keeps you safe, makes you warm, gives you the ability to brew some marshmallows. Oh, that's so restrictive to have a fireplace. Yeah, but it's for your good. It's for your safety. It's to bless you. 
How about that? Maybe the creator of sex knows what he's talking about. Huh. Just maybe the designer of your body knows exactly how it functions best. Just maybe. Just saying. Where was I? I'm sorry. I got sidetracked. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, anything that's not pure, lustful pleasures. Oh, you could go to a lot of places there. Idolatry. I heard Chris Ballatin this week say an idol is anything you have to check with before saying yes to God. <laughs> an idol is anything you have to check with before saying yes to God. Somebody needs to think on and ponder on that for a moment. Because God's been asking you to do some things and you just go and check with everybody else. What do you think? What do you think I should what do you think I should do? Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Well, we don't really fight, we just kind of quarrel. <laughs> Jealousy, outbursts of anger. It's like, Paul, you're meddling here, dude. Just back up a bit. Selfish ambition. Dissension, division, sin. He goes on. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. He said, this isn't by any means an exhaustive list. There's a whole bunch. I'm just giving you a few. A few at the top. So let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, man. Really? That means I'm not going to heaven if I'm living like that. Those who cause division and dissension are living a sinful lifestyle. That's pretty harsh, Pastor. I didn't say it, it he did. Paul the Apostle, who wrote a whole bunch of the New Testament, a man who got wrecked by God and his whole life changed for the better. Titus chapter 3 verse 10. If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. You see it? Call it out. Hey, that, that kind of language here is causing division. That, that's, not, that's not a good thing. 
You give one warning, then you give two warnings, and then what happens? After that, have nothing more to do with them. Sounds like you're pretty exclusive. Yeah, that's what the Word of God says. You recognize something that's not right, and you warn them, and then you warn them again, and then you have nothing to do with them. Well, what about love and acceptance and forgiveness? Yeah, that's part of it too. But this is on them. If it doesn't change, are you hearing me today? Because this is a big deal to God. Have nothing more to do with them after that. For people like that have turned away from the truth. And their own sins condemn them. You're not condemning them. You're warning them. You're, you're saying, hey, let me just throw up a warning flag here. Then when they continue in that behavior, boom. Don't, don't hang out. Have nothing more to do with them. You may not even want to answer their text messages. I'm helping somebody today. For people like that have turned away from the truth. And their own sins condemn them. Notice in Titus, he says, sins. It's a sin. This is a sin. Disunity is a sin. Division is a sin. Dissension is a sin. This isn't just a bad thing. It's not just a, oh, you, you, you should do better. No, it's a sin. And you need to repent from the sin and step into righteousness. Start living the right way. Jude 19, these people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. Very clear. This, this is, I, I've had to, I had to approach a, a, a leader in our church at one point years ago. I said, you know what you're doing is causing division. I said, you know the scriptures about division. I don't have to remind you. This is a big deal to God. It can't happen here. It can't happen here. I'm shutting this down. Division's a huge deal to God. And, and divide and conquer is still one of the enemy's greatest tactics. Divide and conquer. You've seen it, you've seen it in your house. If you're a parent... Divide and conquer. Oh, my goodness. How do kids figure that out? They just know. It's part of their natural instincts, according to Jude. They follow their natural instincts. Those natural instincts have to be submitted in repentance to the Lord. Come on, somebody. Divide and conquer, still a big deal. 
Enemy loves that. It's one of his greatest tactics. And so we choose to lean into intentional conversations because hard conversations lead to health. We choose to have the hard conversations and, and talk things through and, and deal with stuff so that it will lead to health. Second Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, the interesting, and some of you may know this, you may not know this, but Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians, are letters written in response to questions that were written to the Apostle Paul. And so one of the, the problems that we have with First and Second Corinthians is we don't have the questions. We don't know exactly what was asked. He gives us a few understanding points at times, and yet we don't know all the specifics, which is kind of good, kind of bad. Uh, you can go a lot of places, but he says in, in chapter 2 of verse 1 of 2 Corinthians, so I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did, so I, I, I leaned into a hard conversation with you. I wrote as I did so that when I came, I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears. I didn't do this flippantly. I sat down and I painfully wrote to you not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. Hard conversations are because you're loved. It's, it's not just discipline for discipline's sake. We love you enough not to let you keep going down that same path every time. I don't know if you've ever had these conversations with your kids. How many mo millions did we have? Isaiah. Right? Hard conversations that lead to health. This isn't to have a hard conversation. So you, blah, blah, blah. No, it's, it's to peel off some stuff off of you that needs to be taken care of so you can move to a greater level. We're disciplining you because we love you. He goes on in verse 5, if anyone has caused grief, he's not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to, not to put it too severely. Verse 6, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. This is, this is the pattern that Christy and I used in our discipline with our children. Punishment, yes. Absolutely. We used a thick paint paddle. Lowe's has them, in case you're wondering. <laughs> about that long, about that wide, about that thick. They work well. They have good fulcrum on them. And it's not to beat your children. There's a, there's a place God gave them 
to receive punishment. Are you hearing me? I think, I think the years of, of punishment have proven well. The punishment inflicted is sufficient. This is why Christy and I were against grounding our children. Because grounding doesn't deal with the situation now. It says you sit in there and you sulk. The punishment is sufficient. Instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I have a friend who's a pastor now who was grounded for a year in his room. And the excessive sorrow and depression that set into his life was overwhelming. And some of us, we don't want to deal with things. We just want to send them to their room where they've got everything they need nowadays. <laughs> wow. I, I, could, I could camp here for a little bit. Um, I'm not going to. I, you, you know you have blessed your children to the point where they are spoiled rotten. Amen. And going to their room is not punishment any longer. But there's this excessive sorrow. Something's not dealt with quickly. And then the reaffirmation of your love for him. Verse 8. I urge you, therefore, reaffirm your love for him. So after we would correct them, spank them, we would always ask for a hug. Let's reaffirm our love. Let's make sure you know we're doing this for your good because we love you. Some of you kids need to hear this today. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient. That harsh letter, that lean-in conversation we had, was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. It wasn't to drive you away. It was to test you to see, will you stand the test and will you be obedient in everything? Are you getting this? Does this make any sense to you today? Anyone you forgive, I also forgive what I've forgiven. If there was anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that, notice this, verse 11, mark it down. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. What's he trying to do? He's trying to divide you. He's trying to conquer you. He's trying to get you at odds against each other. He's trying to get your little panties in a wad over something that needs to be dealt with. 
And when it's dealt with, you can move on unified. And he knows if you move forward in unity, he's in trouble. His kingdom is going down. Hallelujah. So lean in conversations bring clarity and drive out confusion. They keep the schemes of Satan away. He wants you to be at odds with those you're supposed to be in unity with. I can tell you on our staff, there are multiple times where we recognize, ah, the devil's got a scheme here. He's trying to divide us. He's trying to conquer us. He's trying to get things driven, wedged between us so that we can't function and do the kingdom of God stuff that needs to be done. It happens in your family. If you're not unified, you're just all over the place. There's no purpose that, that you're driving for. And he's got you conquered. You need leaning conversations in your marriage. You need some leaning conversations at work. You really need some lean-in conversations with your kids. Deal with stuff. Tough love conversations that restore. Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. The NIV says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Say that with me. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Say it again. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. Oh, it's okay. You need some friends that will bring godly wounds to your life. Because that'll take you to the next level. That'll bring health to your body, health to your soul. Alicia Britt-Sholey says, the pruning knife rested on the defenseless plant. Surely not that one, I cried, as the gardener skillfully cut away another branch. She looked at me and smiled. Don't worry, my friend. It's for the good of the plant. Watching and listening, I realized that the gardener was not removing beauty from the rose bush. She was redistributing its strength. Each calculated cut ensured the plant's future health. Each calculated cut ensured the plant's future health. She called it pruning, subtracting to add. Wounding to heal. God calls it pruning as well. Decreasing our fullness to increase our fruitfulness. Submitting to God's pruning can be painful. And yielding requires persistent faith. We must hold tightly to God's character with tears in our eyes. But our master gardener is trustworthy. He loves us too much to elevate looking good above being good. With each cut of his pruning knife, 
God thins our lives in order to thicken our character. And sometimes he uses people that are closest to you. Sometimes he'll use your parents. Sometimes he'll use your kids. He uses your friends, your mentors, your pastors, your leaders, your followers. He'll speak through your spouse. If you're willing to listen, speak through your kids. He'll speak through your coworkers, people that know you, people that are trusted, trusted ones who will lean into hard conversations for your health so that you become healthy again because hard conversations lead to health. And they're part of the pruning that God uses to thicken our character and increase our fruitfulness. But know this, the master gardener is trustworthy. I said the master gardener is trustworthy. You can trust what he says, what he does. And unity is so worth it because the, the Lord commands his blessing there, life forevermore. The Apostle Paul had a leaning conversation with the, the church at Ephesus. Ephesus chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Apparently, they weren't living up to who they really were. I've looked at my children many times and said, you're better than that. I'm, I'm calling better out of you than that. You've got better in you than that. And sometimes God uses you to speak to people and say, you know what? You're better than that. And you hold, as Luke said the other day, you hold the crown above their head. And you call them to greatness. You call them to greatness. Someone says, when I speak to the fool in my child, I get the fool. When I speak to the king in my child, all of a sudden, they rise up to kingship. unity. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body. One Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord. One faith. See the unity here? One baptism, one God and the Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. Unity, is, it's like a laser light, focused, focused, focused to the point of, of piercing through. When we finally acquired this space that we're in right now, we were a small church that needed unity to see something big accomplished. We all came together, we worked, we worked, we worked hard. We unified one purpose, one mind, one, one goal. This place was fitted out in, I believe it was about a, a month. And God did a miracle in this house. And then the, the space up front came open. The kids area where the little playground is. 2,000 square feet available. 
was beyond us. But we all came together in unity. We got in there and started tearing out walls and building walls and putting things up that weren't there before. A little addition, a little subtraction. And all of a sudden, we had a kid's space, some classrooms. Because we were in unity. And then the pack opened up. Another 8,000 square feet. You can have it. God spoke to us and said, go. And we unified together. And miraculously, because of unity, we raised the finances. We, we had the people in place. God brought the right people and we put things together. And all of a sudden, we needed a gymnasium floor. We came in here within... Less than three minutes, we'd raised over $30,000 in unity. You could see as God commanded the blessing. And now we're launching a school next Monday. It's because we've come together in unity. We needed cameras for our online ministry. And y'all came together. We we raised, I don't know, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 that that bless this house and continues to bless those online. We have more people online than we do here in the house. And week after week, they, they receive and they share. And, and God's doing a miracle all over the world through this house because of your unity. I'm here to tell you God's, God's command of blessing is where we are unified. And when we're in unity, we're unstoppable. Remember what God said about the, the people building the Tower of Babel? Genesis eleven six. Look, he said, the people are united. They all speak the same language. They're united. They all have the same core values. They're united. They're all speaking the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. We're in unity. Nothing's impossible. We're all heading the same direction. Nothing's impossible. Come on, worship team. Your disunity with God will cause you to live a defeated life. Always going against him. When you're out of step with God, out of step with this church, it puts you in a crumbling atmosphere. And that house cannot stand. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? You've got to agree. You've got to say, God, I'm walking with you. And and many of you, you need to, to say, God, I'm walking with you. Power place, I'm walking with you. We're going to agree together. We're going to walk in the same direction. And as we walk in the same direction, unified, nothing will be impossible for us. Nothing. We've already accomplished things that would have been impossible for us. But as we're unified, Nothing we do will be impossible for us.
I was thinking about Acts chapter 2 and the day of Pentecost. It said they were all together in one place in one accord. And that's when the Spirit of God was poured out. They were all together in one accord. One mindset, one purpose, one, one reason for being. Jesus said, go and wait. And they did. They obeyed him. Because of their obedience, they were unified. So I looked up in the Greek that, that word, one accord, the, the one accord phrase. And it's a couple of Greek words that mean to rush along in unison. To rush along in unison. It's this concept, it's a musical concept because when things are not in unison, not in harmony, they're in disunity, it's very disturbing. It it's like Debbie, it's like Isn't that nice? You like that? Oh, let's all sing together. Can't. Disunity. It's not together. It's not heading the same direction. It's not not on the same page. But when you got different notes all harmonizing in pitch and tone, creating this great concert, give me a good chord, Deb. Yeah. Uh huh. We can sing with that. We can work with that. And all together we unite. All together we're headed in the right direction. On the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one accord in one place. And the Spirit of God fell on them. And they were transformed became a powerhouse that changed their world for Jesus. Why? They were unified. They were all in one accord. Now that's not a Honda Accord. That's the largest car in the, in the, in the Bible. 120 people fit in one accord. How'd that happen? Sorry, it's just, it's in here, okay? I can't help it. But when we get in one accord, nothing's impossible. When your family's in one accord, nothing's impossible. When you're all moving in the right, same direction, and, and you're, you're obeying the Lord, and you're just doing what God asks you to do, and you're all heading in the same direction, nothing's impossible. That's what God wants for all of us. He wants that for our house. He wants that for our church. He wants that in our lives. Stand with me, please. Thanks for checking out the PowerPlace audio podcast. If you want more resources for your walk with the Lord, you can visit us online at www.thepowerplace.org. You can check us out on YouTube and Facebook at The PowerPlace Church if you want to watch the service online. And if you want to give, you can text any amount to 84321 or visit the church website.